0: Barbie. I'm curious about how you knew about the scissoring. I like never, that never occurred to me. I really am a horny person. I I, I am on fire. Like I want to rip somebody off the street right now. (laughs) And it's great. I love it. I love being that sexually charged as a female and just feeling that and knowing like, Hey, that's in me. I'm so down with a mobile dungeon. Like that is so fun. And just going around and I love adventures and trying new things and experiencing new things. And especially if it's throw some sex in there and I'm all for it. That's why I think BDSM is so, and that power dynamic between a dominant and a submissive is so spot on because it really, it demands all those things that you just said. You have to have that excellent communication and without it, that dynamic can't exist. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Well, guess what? It's another Saturday and I have a fabulous guest on. I cannot wait to introduce her. She is 33 years old. She is pansexual and into non-monogamy, but is mostly married to her artwork, which she loves so much. And she says it might even qualify as a kink. She's a kinky submissive, so a girl after my own heart, who's into exploring, especially with others, and she loves having sex for hours and snacks afterwards. She's a multimedia artist from Los Angeles who's on a mission to make the world a sexier place. Welcome, Y.O. Lee, to A Curious Girl Diaries. Layla, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm excited to have you. That's a lot there that we just went through. I would love to give you just the opportunity to kind of bring my listeners up to speed about how you got to all those things that I just mentioned.
1: Yes. Well, truly curiosity led the way. I feel like we are kindred spirits. I (laughs) do too. I totally do. (laughs) Yes. Because... It really was, and a lot of it is sexual curiosity too. I would not be where I am artistically now if it weren't for how incredibly horny I am and how often I've been rejected throughout my lifetime. Yeah. So where do I start? I went to film school. I am a filmmaker and an actor first. I started painting just to have something to do that I wasn't trying to sell. But then I kind of had this whole life journey where my life fell apart a little bit because I was producing online reality TV for pickup artists. And then I was like, this is not what I want to do. That coincided with me attempting to date a couple for the first time, cheating on a boyfriend for the first time. Everything kind of crumbled at once. And I had this Whoosh moment in my life where my best friends no longer lived in Los Angeles. I hated my the life that I'd created, and I was like, "Well, I could change that." So I did, and I recommitted to only doing creative work that I believed in to make money. And so that led to a journey around South America to recollect bits of my soul. And when I came back, I discovered kink and my submissive side, and that I could have this transcendent connection with a partner and feel the type of pleasure I had always dreamed of. And from there, my art started exploding. I worked as a photographer for my day job for a while and I it was suddenly effortless. Yeah. And then all of my stuff started to coalesce when I began sex stories because I really just want people to have the tools to talk about it. Yeah. Because for me, that deliciousness, basically sex unlocked my creativity. So now I have photography that leads to collages that leads to the like interactive work that leads to a this big clone project that is related to making the world a sexier more loving place and a dominatrix character and all kinds of sex worker characters that are soon going to come out to play with yeah. the people that I've been making friends with for the past few years. Wow. So, it's a lot of <laughs> stuff that yes, that wanders in and out of mediums and I'm crafting some interactive stuff that's going to be rolling out over the summer. So, it's a lot and It is
0: a lot. Yeah. Se- sex and art are my favorite. <laughs> all right. Let's we're going to this is what we're, we're going to unpack all that is as we go along, but let's go back, kind of let's, let's roll the clock back. How did your, you know, when you were younger, how did your sexuality take shape and was sex an open topic in your household? And I also kind of curious too when you discovered you were bisexual or pansexual.
1: Yes. So I'll give you the brief little overview. Grew up on a farm with military medical professional parents. Mom was an OBGYN, so I knew from a very young age medically that sex was penis, going into a vagina, and that is how babies get made. Yes. I didn't believe her. (laughs) because I was like, that can't fit. Like, I I thought I had understood incorrectly. And... Still, my Barbies did scissoring, and I had this curiosity, and I knew that buckling. Now, wait, was Ken and Bar- between- was it Ken and Barbie that were scissoring? It, it was Ken and Barbie, or yeah, Skipper like and Barbie. <laughs> Nope, I just had classic Barbies. They were hand-me-downs, and it was just Ken and Barbie, and they would just do it. Okay. Um, I had troll dolls that would watch the wedding. I, ha- I got the message that they were supposed to have a wedding first, so I would set up the troll dolls to watch. And then it was...
0: Actually, now that I think about it... I put Ken on top of Barbie. I'm curious party. about how you knew about the scissoring. I, like, never... That never occurred to me.
1: Well, I only heard penis goes in vagina, so it also didn't occur to me that people could face each other yeah. and that it would go in. Okay. I thought it was, like, a, a long sort of... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Making like a scissoring motion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that in my adult life has led to fantasies about what if we just were like laying inside each other, reading books and like hanging out. So maybe someday. There we Um, go. But we did eventually get, my brother and I got a little sex talk where they gave us these books. One was a big picture book created by these German artists of parents giving their kids a sex talk and explaining pregnancy and love and orgasms. And in America today, it would be considered child pornography, I think. There are new children in it. So it's not like a mainstream thing, but it was really helpful as a kid to get to see the different ages of bodies and to get to know what to expect yeah. as I was coming, even though it was more of an art book. And then I got a, a book that was, yeah, so I got books. My mom was sort of gave me this awkward talk when I was a little bit older about how fundamentally sexy my body was and how I should resist if boys said they love me, I shouldn't get pressured. But she didn't tell me what to do if I was very, very horny and was like right. wanting to explore people. Yeah. And I didn't know what horny horny was yet. Like I didn't, I don't know. When did you figure out what horny was? Cause I feel like I was, it was only like a few years ago when I was like, Oh,
0: (laughs) it's been there. I think when I actually acknowledged it probably was when I, six years ago, when I started all this, it was like, wow, no, I really am a horny person. I am on fire. Like I want to rip somebody off the street right now. (laughs) And it's great. I love it. I love being, that sexually charged as a female and just feeling that and knowing like, hey, that's in me. Yeah. No, men have nothing on me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. And feeling turned on all the time. That's what it is when I started having like really good sex. The turn on just feeds all my creative projects and I can't stop thinking about, well, you know, if only we could communicate better about emotions, maybe we could have better sex. You know, I'm always trying to figure out how to make it easier to connect Yes, because in my early origins, after my mom was like, don't say yes to people pressuring you. I was trying to get, I was not pressuring people, but I was trying to get a yes in return. I got rejected four times before I lost my virginity. I finally was able oh. to have part my partnered sexual debut when I was 19 and a half. And it wasn't until- Those
0: guys are yeah, kicking themselves. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
1: They're not because I did go back and have sex with all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was so looking at <laughs> for people to have sex with. I Basically, I was like, I did it. Can we do it now? Because I loved them and I I was always looking for safe spaces. And then I had my first experience with a woman when I was 24. But even then was like, oh, I'm just a straight girl who's like exploring. (laughs) And I just like really think boobs and ladies are pretty. And wow, they're so soft. And like, it is nice to touch them. And wow, actually, going down on a girl is like really fun. And so even then I was just like, well, that's just a thing people do because everyone knows that females are the fair sex. And then it wasn't until I like had a boyfriend who I was in love with and fell hardcore for my new best friend who was a vagina owner, but later they're a trans person and they were married. And so there was a brief period where I was going to move across the country to move in with my girlfriend and their now ex-husband. And uh,
0: it all fell apart. That (laughs) that sounds like like a
1: lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. But yeah,
1: I've been trying to figure out the sexual communication piece really concentratedly for the last three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And kink was the beginning of that. But I, in my origin story, did not get the information that I wish I'd had.
0: Yes. So Y.O. Lee is not the name that you were born with. That's not the name your parents gave you. When did you change it and why? And who is Y.O. as opposed to Karin? Oh, so...
1: Wild was a great stumbly discovery. <laughs> Initially it was looking for a name where there was search engine optimization and uniqueness because I was trying to sell my circles. I paint a lot of circles, and I finally was like, I'll try to like sell them on Redbubble as stickers, which I didn't end up pursuing very long, but there were a billion Lee's because I guess it's a very popular name in China. And my name, Karin, K-A-R-I-N. My family still calls me that. My old friends still call me that. But I didn't like getting called Karen on accident mm. because- Which I did earlier. Because <laughs> How could you know? I know. How could you know? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. And I got really tired of being like, hi, I'm Karen," like car insurance without the insurance. And it's so much better in my opinion to to warn people that I'm extremely curious because Wyo has built-in questions and answers. When you say Wyo it's easier to smile. When you say Karin it's very like harsh and the mouth is up and down. So saying my name for auditions was, hi, I'm Karin Lee. And it's like very like, and I just never felt like a Karin. Named after my mom's best friend from the Air Force and they just thought it was a cool name. They gave my siblings very normal names. And so I ended up using it first actually on field. I used Wyo first on the the threesome dating app field. And I liked it because it's from my favorite sci-fi book. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert A. Heinlein. One of my favorites because in that book, Wyo is a rebel and a revolutionary and they have consent laws on the moon in that sci fi world that are so strict that if a man so much as touches, if anyone, but especially men were the problem in the book, touches a woman without her consent, the other do is just come and immediately space him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if we we had that level of just like safety enforcement, we yeah. would have no problem. So yeah. I like carrying that energy around with me. And the thing that was a beautiful stumbly discovery is now when people call me WIO, I feel recognized as an artist because I, I didn't change it until I was 29 when I changed it, which is kind of a funny thing. So I'm only in my fourth year of using it. And it's kind of a funny thing to be like, hey, I'm a full adult human, but here's a new name. You can use that now. But people like the name a lot. And people who meet me as a YO and then find out that I'm a Karin, they're like, oh, no, no, this one's better. I would Um, say you're a Wyo for sure. I feel more like a YO, And, you know, it is funny because I've been playing around with these, I'm calling them my clones, the clone sisters, but they are characters that I'm developing. It's me and wigs. And so they all have different names. And so it is very funny to, Wyo is friendliest. She's the most submissive. She has more patience for people. My other ones get to be a little bit brattier, which like I'm not really bratty in regular
0: life. Yeah, so that's kind (laughs) of fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's been really, really fun to just be whoever.
0: Yes. So what got you into, I mean, gosh, you've done a lot here, acting, directing, and producing and turning into this creative, sexy genius that you are. (sighs)
1: Thank you. Um, really, I was just trying to pay the bills with my extra arts. Like, I wanted to be an actor ever since I was five years old and saw the musical Cats in Fresno, California. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I wanted to be Grizabella the Glamour Cat, which, what does that say? It's the one that sings memory. Yeah. And I, so from a young age, I knew I wanted to be here. But then when I learned more, I was like, oh, the actors don't get to choose what's on the screen. And so I actually ended up going to film school because I was like, well, I'll just learn. I've always been a person that's like, hmm, I don't know about this. I'll learn everything about this thing I'm interested in. And that's kind of how it started. Producing was to pay the bills and then I realized that it's I no longer wish to pay my bills giving my creative energy to someone else's shitty project. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, but but I gained a lot of skills yes, yeah. and, and I'm able to run a set very easily in my outward life. I'm very much a dominant human, but like photography was always a thing for me. I took over my mom's old Minolta when I was 12. And so as an actor, it was really easy to transition into headshots for my main money making thing. But I have always been a writer. I journal daily and my work basically just became way more clarified once I started talking to people about their sex lives and gaining more information about what other people's desires and struggles and questions are. And so pretty much everything I make now, it's like very beautiful because I have a sweet audience of literally thousands of muses and the projects that I'm working on, the next little one that I'm hoping to have ready to go in the next year is my playship. So I'm trying to fund an Airstream trailer that I would like to fill with art supplies and creativity supplies, including all the sex toys. And so it would basically be a mobile dungeon that I could take around the country because my dream is to do the deepest interviews with people yet. And so, and then that eventually will connect the nightlife spaces, which I love that lead to the giant hotel of pleasure. So that's curiosity just keeps leading me. And then the people that I Make me more curious, and it's a whole spiral.
0: Yes, I know we both have Vespers. T he has her Airstream and she takes that around and with all of her, oh, it's a man. pop-up, as a pop-up. She takes yes. it around with yes. with, with the, all of her vibes and shows, hey, this so stuff is, cool. let's normalize this. This stuff is good. Yes, uh, yeah, so I love I lo- that. Oh my God, I, I love that Airstream idea. I've always wanted to yeah. take the Curious Girl Diaries on the road, so it's-
1: Well, so then my idea is to invite people who have the same mission to join me for a week or two at a time and to yes. do like- combined big events and different live interviews and let people, and I'm also a photographer. So I want to like dress people up or have them take off their clothes or whatever, but create- Where are are we going? When?
0: I'm I'm in. (laughs) I know. So
1: so the website that I'm working on right now is specifically created to, in a very fun way, fund that project, but by interactive stuff. Because I realized that for me, whether it's casual sex or like just talking to someone who's a stranger on the internet, connection is important to me. If we are not treating each other like real human beings, I'm not interested. So my larger life mission is to really just do whatever I can to shift the whatever we can, because we are all allies and teammates and not one person can do it alone. Yeah. But I want to just do contribute in whatever ways I can to make the world a place where taking care of each other is normal. I don't understand why that's not normal.
0: Yes. I'm with you on that. So yeah, yeah. You, can, you can let me know what part of the
1: road trip you want to be on and we'll coordinate. <laughs> uh,
0: where is, yeah, oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, no, seriously, I'm I'm, I'm a yes person. That's the yes. one thing about me yes. is when, when my friends, if you're on a group text, someone says, do you want to? I'm like, yes. I don't know what we're doing yes. or where we're going, but I'm in. <laughs> like, I am totally all about I it. it. I love creating memories, getting together with people, having adventures. When's your birthday? It's in March. I'm in Aries. Are you Aries? I was like, she's got to be an
1: Aries. That's a fire sign talking. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I'm so, yeah. What what about you? I'm a Taurus sun a rising. So I Mm -hmm. have that fire and a Pisces moon. So I have the biggest feelings and like love. Be in bondage. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I like the bondage too. Yes. I it's something yes. I discovered was yes. totally took me by surprise. So all these, you've got all these different forms of expression that you use. You've got your movies, your pictures, your art, your podcasting. How does that tell me how that all now let's connect that back to your sexuality? What's like, how is your sexuality driving all that? So
1: there are two different pieces. Well, there's probably more than that, but the two that stand out when I want to answer that question is. The relationship part has gotten really fucked since I started sharing a lot of my creativity publicly. Like, I am very scary to new partners. But it's just this, when I do find someone or when I am very anchored to myself and or to some of my sexy internet friends yeah. <laughs> in private messages, I get this. How do I articulate this? Wow, I've never had to articulate this before. Okay, let me let me think about how to say That's this. That's
0: my goal, Wyo, is to pull things out of you that no other interviewer ever
1: has. It's very actually rare that people are like asking me things that I haven't like thought through a lot. So this is very juicy for me. So my answer is two pronged. There's the part where I'm trying to get new lovers and partners and I'm accidentally exploding them because my artwork is either so amazing that they're intimidated or because my artwork has to do with sex and sexuality. And I get versions of like, you're trying to use me for stories. And I'm like, sir, I do not need you for stories. Like I'm full. Yeah. But the beautiful part is that when I do find a person to connect with, whether that is one partner or whether it's just someone I've interviewed and they've told me a great story about their own self, what has happened is as I talk to people, as I find out what they're into, my curiosity grows. And I feel like you could probably relate to this because I'm like, oh, I want to try that now. I want to try that now. So I am in the process of figuring out how the fuck do I organize this gigantic bucket list of all the sexual things, but also artistic things. And also there's so much overlap that I want to do. Probably the number one way that I see the inspiration like directly fed back to me is my photo shoots are pretty easy. I do a lot of like beautiful nude photography. That just started as a, oh fuck, I cut off all my hair. And like... Dolphins I'm going to ask you about that. Shown as sexy. <clears throat> yeah. And so so it started there, but now it's evolved. And when I had my master, my photos would be like, what was going to turn him on? And now that I am very single, my... Turn on love is coming from this place of too many people are writing to me, telling me that they are disconnected or they don't know how to talk or they don't know what they're feeling or they don't know what the problem is. So I have a clone that's going to help with feelings practice. I have a clone that's going to do desire discovery. I have a clone that's going to be in charge of pleasure tests. I have a clone that looks like Marilyn Monroe, but with pink hair, who's going to be working her way through the rights, respect, responsibility, sex ed curriculum that's free and downloadable at rrr.org, you know, the three r's.org. So that's the type of stuff that I'm working on on a larger level to ultimately pave the way for the next big project, which is my sci-fi sex ed musical feature film. And that hopefully will be getting a <laughs> the same time as the road trip, or maybe it'll one will come. You know, I trust the divine timing of all of yes. But basically when I talk to people, so, and that idea, the playship idea with the Airstream trailer came directly out of a live stream that I had. And one of my lover friend listeners was telling me about a hot session that he and his wife had in their motor home, like in their yeah. camper. And like yeah. I was like, oh my God, if only we had a mobile dungeon. And so that idea over the past three years has, well, I guess two and a half years, has grown into this great, great grand vision of what if someday I'm the madam of a brothel? But actually, what if it's not a brothel? What if we have a full new genre of a full service creativity resort where this half is family friendly and that half <laughs> is basically like an ongoing play party? With clear sets of rules oh and safety gosh. so people could actually have fun. I know. And then people think I'm insane and I'm like, right, how do I tell the small version of this idea?
0: <laughs> I think that you just you just said it perfectly. Just
1: as it, it's you. perfect, just as it is. I know we would have fun if we could all create it. I know we would all. Oh have my so gosh, much fun
0: I'm so down with a mobile dungeon. Like that is so yeah. fun. And just going around and I love adventures and trying new things and experiencing new things and, and we'll especially coordinate. especially <laughs> yes. And especially if it's throw some sex in there and I'm all for it. So we were talking about all the good stuff, right? But what do you feel? I want to go to the I want to kind of talk about the juxtaposition of all this. What do you feel is the bad side, maybe of art and movies as it relates to women and their sexuality? And how do you hope to
1: change all that? Or what are you going to do to change it? Juicy question. I have big, long answers. I believe the fastest way to teach people new ways of being is to show them better examples. What we see on screen is starting to change in the direction of better. But especially when I talk to male filmmakers that perhaps have not done the work of learning what it means to be a feminist, or an ally. There's a certain type of selling sexuality that has never made sense to me. The more that I learn about sex, the more that I talk to people whose jobs make money off of sex, the more that I, as an artist, am trying to make a living off of a sex podcast that has a good size audience, but it's still very wiggly in terms of like securing regular finances. The more I'm like, oh, yeah, the more I'm like, oh, we have this weird, 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 weird fucking thing in our society where we're like, oh no, sex? You're talking about sex? That's bad. You're bad. You can't do that. We don't do that. We're advertisers that don't, we don't touch sex related things. No,
0: but if you're Wendy's, and you can have a girl climbing around on a car half naked to sell a hamburger exactly. at the Super Bowl. Yes. Because if we can't control how that money's made, we're not about it. Yeah, I want these freelancers so learning, out there,
1: and it, and there's something that I haven't quite hit on, but in my dating life and in talking to people. People explode at me a lot. I'm very nice. I am full of love. I'm never trying to be an asshole, but I accidentally trigger people a lot because I can only see, I'm a very literal minded. And so when people do these things that I call regular human lies, like for politeness or where they're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't like butt stuff. And I'm like, I just saw your butt plugs. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's <laughs> there's, there's this gap. There's a gap in there. And I don't understand why we are allowed to use implicit rapey gestures to sell sex. So think about Star Wars and the relationship between Han Solo and Princess Leia, and how fucking rapey it is. That's the stuff that I would like to fix by just offering better examples. Narrative, you know, in film and TV, narrative-wise, that's great. The project that I'm working on with the clones, I have not publicly shared this yet, so this is like an exclusive drop. Oh, I love it. I'm slowly but surely using each of my clone characters to work my way through the horrorarchy because it makes no sense to me that we live in a culture that is not clear about finances and sex. That like people on sugar daddy websites are like, fuck prostitutes. And the prostitutes are like, I'm better than strippers. And there is a lot of crossover. But I'm sort of like, oh, and the strippers think they're better, but the porn stars think they're the best. And I'm just like, this is, it just was made aware of as recently as last fall. So I'm really, really curious to explore the online stuff, the real world stuff. And I've been interviewing people who inspire those characters and or are giving those characters advice. And my main goal is to be like, hey, money doesn't make sense. And also all relationships historically have mutual value. What's happening right now in my personal life is that a lot of the people who are trying to date me have seen movies and TV that teach them that all they have to do is try, 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 and eventually they'll wear me down and I'll say yes. And I think that's so rapey and gross. And then there's this, I'm really working to create content that shows people better forms of communication because I'm very tired of the angsty storyline of like, oh, no. We're tortured and shut down because I'm an angsty screenwriter boy that never had any real life love. And this is what love and romance are. And so we see that pattern over and over again. And then I talk to people one-on-one who really do want deep connection, but generationally, everyone I try to talk to on the swiping places where that's available are not actually interested in the gestures that create real connection. right? So I would like to offer some examples in the media of how easy and wonderful it is, it can be for us to talk to each other. Because I'm really tired of the deepest conversations I have with new people are anonymous it's a very different container it's a very one-way thing and it's more like therapy yeah then it is a back and forth delicious connection so yeah. a, that's a, what i'm that's my first step toward tackling it because until we solve the cultural message of like hey women you're supposed to get pursued 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 we're not going to fix the rapey thing and until we can teach men to feel their feelings And that it's okay to feel all the feelings and to share them and that they can tell me how much they desire me. Because if they desire me but can't articulate that I'm beautiful and wonderful and the emotional connection that we have is special, then that desire is inherently rapey because there's no emotion to back it up. And I talk to lots of lovely people who have great sex lives and the part about a great sex life that seems consistent for everybody who I've talked to, like the most satisfaction comes when there's connection connection. And safety. Yes. So so I'm trying to make hot content that shows talking about ahead of time is sexy and that clear communication is, and safety are fucking hot. Yeah. But you can't, You have to show it. You can't tell people, I think.
0: Yes. That's why I think BDSM is so, and that power dynamic between a dominant and a submissive is so spot on because it really, it demands all those things that you just said. You have to have that excellent communication. And without it, that dynamic can't exist. And so when you have it, and then you also couple that with the incredible sexual experiences, holy shit. It's like, Ooh! Oh my god! I always, I <laughs> yeah. My my motto is like this is what, and then nothing against vanilla sex, but I will say like this is what vanilla sex wishes it strives to be. This is what's the it's that yes. communication and that deep deep connectedness that's missing. And I think that's why our divorce rates are so high, and that's why the infidelity rates yes. are high
1: because yes. that's and so I left out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. And sex stories was born specifically at a moment where. There was a scandal with a celebrity and a chick who had like written a thing that was like, this is, he's bad. And I was like, this sounds like two people who don't communicate. And it sounds like it came out of a culture that doesn't communicate. And it seems so easy to fix. And it seems like we're focused on the wrong things in those conversations. Mm -hmm. All I want is for vanilla people to feel like they have the same access to the language of kink, but without more better examples in the wider world. Yeah. You know, Fifty Shades is a lot of people's entry point. So I'm hoping that Mission 69, my sex ed musical with my nominatrix character who's flying in from outer space to save the whole <laughs> I world. I love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that that can, like, help give us some conversational frameworks
0: to do better. Yes. Well, I I hope so, too. So now let's switch to you and your sex life because this is a Curious Girl time oh. We gotta get into that. Yes. Okay. I want to know, describe a recent sexual experience that you have and what was the highlight of it? Can be anything you want. Mm,
1: Ooh. Okay. Let me, let me just pick, let me, let me circle back through my head and pick one. So I recently had my first experience with a person who had never had partnered sex before and it was amazing. It was also the probably the youngest. Well, I don't know if it's the youngest. Wait, wait, wait. I use, have to clarify but- this. When you say this person's never had partnered sex... It was his sexual debut, which I say instead of virginity.
0: Okay, now making sure I'm following this. Yeah, okay. He lost his virginity <laughs> <laughs> to me. Plainly, to put it I guess. to put
1: it bluntly, yeah. but because virginity is a concept that I think is like overhyped and kind of works against women, yeah. I like to say, "All right, we've had our, our partnered sexual debut." Because, like, depending on how we d- identify sex, and you know, like, I had sex with myself long before I had sex with anyone else. So, right, took a virginity for the first time, and it was so sweet and so different from any of my kinky experiences. I have not been in a dynamic as a kinky submissive since my last relationship ended last October. And this was a very sweet experience to offer another human being the kind of like holding and like gentleness because he was nervous, but also to get to be a tour guide, like to get to be a sexy tour guide. Yeah, (laughs) So here's, and if you ever have a future girlfriend, because we were in a situation where we were not dating, you know, it was, it was very clearly like a circumstance of like, okay, let's do this. And so it was really fun to be with someone who I could also reference their future partners and be like, if you get a girlfriend, ask this, like, you know, my pussy's like this, but remember, they're not all the same and this could look different and this could look different and this could look different. And so having the chance to get our animal bodies to drop in together, to look at each other, to get to (laughs) take him through the basics of the different positions and to kind of like introduce the idea of like, here's how you could hold space for someone or here's how you could ask someone for what you want and just like making him practice his communication and then also telling him what I want and getting that feedback. So that's a unique one, but it's perhaps, it just feels new because it's like, I am in this totally brand new chapter and it was like the most satisfying casual sex I've had in a while.
0: That's great. Whoever gets their hands on this guy after you is going to be very happy. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> you have sent some good karma out there into the world. You have done a was. You have done was a solid. such a sweetie too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I hope gosh. so.
1: I love that story. Yeah. So. How yeah. you- oh, and we set yeah. intentions with our orgasms. Sorry, this is so fun. We set intentions with our orgasms as we were doing it. He wanted to have a girlfriend sometime in the next year. And I am trying to manifest the playship. So we also had this beautiful sort of like, I wasn't like, here's sex magic. I was just like, let's use our power to, <laughs> to focus on what we want. And so I we have, each just like picked the thing we wanted. It was
0: so cute. I love that. I've never done that. I've never set an intention with an orgasm. I've set my intention for the whole experience, but I didn't kind of yeah. pin it on the orgasm. That's interesting. I'm going to try that.
1: Yeah. Definitely We try did that. say it ahead of time. But we were supposed to like aim for it while we were coming. I don't know. It was just so sweet because he was like, okay, okay. And it was very beautiful to have the experience of even though it was casual, doing that kind of forced both of us to share something real. So even though it was this boundary situation, I felt held and connected. I've been experimenting with inviting people to hold hopes with me, even if I don't. So for example, I recently had my biggest audition yet for a series regular role, my first like big main character audition. And I was so excited about it because the, the character had submissive qualities. Yeah. She was a squire who became a knight, but she's in disguise. And there was a branding scene and I got so excited. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell my family. I'm going to tell everyone because it doesn't matter if I don't get it. Yeah. I won't be sad. Like I prepared for it perfectly. Yeah. And so I think sexually too, like, For me, there's something that is currently unlocking around the vulnerability of maybe it's okay if I get disappointed. And if I'm present here, something will bloom or blossom or I'll have a chance for different kinds of connection that I didn't know were possible before.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, can I ask uh, what happened? Did you get the role?
1: You did? I don't know. Oh, you don't don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. I haven't. So, I'm actually still in the really uncomfortable waiting period where they haven't announced casting. So, that means they're still making decisions. But also, it's been two weeks since the audition was due. So, I would probably have a callback, but we never know actually. Yeah. Because there are so many situations, especially when it's main character, where they're doing chemistry tests and someone can bop out at the last minute and then like uh, they can like re. So, who the fuck knows? But probably not. So I'm letting go of her, but also everything is possible.
0: (laughs) That's right. And maybe there's something better behind that, obviously. If it doesn't happen, then there probably is.
1: Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I think what's for me cannot miss me and it's just going to keep unfolding. And that's what I have learned through my sex life actually is that my desire has drawn me to these places where like I never go in a straight line. My lines are very wiggly, but my horny curiosity has gotten me (laughs) to collect all of these skills that are now serving me on this big life mission. And it's really fun. (laughs)
0: Yes. Okay. No, I have to ask about the short hair because yes, because I'm always drawn to women with short hair because I have had my hair short several times. And now I'm getting back to that point where I'm like, okay, I just have it. And then I grow it and I cut it and I grow And I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm just sick of the long hair. But what I've noticed is that there's a lot of my friends, like they're like, oh my God, no, don't cut it or you know? And yes, but I'm not tied to my femininity isn't in my hair. I feel like truly I'm not trying to feed you an answer. But I just For me, I just feel like I can rock short hair and I look good and I feel good and I feel sexy because I feel sexy all the time. And it's not about my hair. So it's not about my hair. It's not about uh, a number on the scale. It's not about, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like being comfortable with however, whatever you're rocking. So I'm curious yeah. what got you to cut your hair and how do you feel about it as a woman with very short hair? Because you're, I saw one picture. It was almost like Sinead, o, it reminded me of Sinead O'Connor. Oh, thank you. She is beautiful. Yes, she's
1: beautiful. So I'm six years into having short hair now. And when I shaved my head, it was at the end of this very crumbly moment. And I also had like long, blonde, beautiful mermaid hair. So when people looked at me, they would assume that I was going to behave like a cheerleader or basically a hot girl. Yeah. And I didn't... It's really actually only in this past February, so like a couple months ago, that I was like talking to some friends and interviewing a couple of sex workers and talking to people. And I was like, oh shit, I'm a hot person. I'm a hot... People... And I finally realized just this, just this year, that I have been, a lot of the incongruencies that I experienced, someone explicitly explained this to me. They were like, you are not acting like a hot person. You're too pretty to be this insecure. Also, you're not insecure. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so I was like, oh, I see what's happening. Because I am submissive and I like to sort of just like follow along with people. Yeah. But I have this natural authority. So... That piece, plus reading this book about how men are... Tell Me What You Want by Justin... What is Justin's last name? It's not over there anymore. My books are all over. I have all sorts of books. Have you read that book? Tell Me What You Want? Tell me, no, by, I haven't. Oh, fuck. What's his name? He's another podcaster. He's got a good podcast that I haven't... But anyway, I read some research oh, in his book that what
0: Does it start with an L? Justin Le. It's like Mueller, Learman or, or Lay- Learman Lair- Yes,
1: yes, yes. I, I fucking know. I just, I just got back from traveling, so I can't remember. Yeah. Literally, it's... That's anyway, ringing a bell, yeah. Anyway, Tell Me What You Want by Justin. They've done studies that say that men do prefer long hair. And I'm like, great, I'm not super into it. Like, I like men, but I also like women. And I thought I would get a lot of lesbians when I cut my hair short, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was really tough at the very beginning of the haircut to see myself as a sexual being because the patterning was so strong. But I wanted to get rid of my long hair because of the mismatch of how people would treat me. I wanted to sort of signal like, hey, I'm probably a little bit different than you expect. Mm-hmm. Hey, I need concrete, clear information. I really speak and think literally. Like when people say something, I'm, I get caught every time. They're like, no, it's a joke. No, I'm just being facetious. I'm like, dang it, that I should have gotten it that time. Shaving my head is what led me to do nude photography of myself. So my nude self-portrait started when I was traveling around South America in this fugue state post-producing when I was like swearing off doing jobs for other people that took my creativity. And it was through this like long years long process of like seeing myself that I was like, oh, I am a babe. And then once I had a master a few months later who I unlocked all of my sexual stuff with, like he just held a great container and I was able to just explore so much of me. And after that process began, I felt... Attractive from an inside-out way that I've yeah. never before experienced. That's I it think right I there. Look better with no. You help.
0: nailed it. That's I it think right I there. Look yeah. Yes, it's the so inside out. People. Yeah.
1: It's the inside out feeling. And so people are like, are you going to grow your hair back? Will you please grow your hair back? You and I'm like, pay me to grow my hair back. I would grow it back if I had a dom that I was really devoted to and it was like a long-term situation. Or I would grow it back if somebody paid me. But I, it doesn't make any utilitarian sense. And at the end of the day, I have so much art that I want to make that I can wear a wig. Like yeah. I have some blonde wigs that look really wigs great are on me fun. if hair, but, yeah. but this is great. And then also I thought that people would be intimidated when I shaved my head, but I get more attention than ever when I go out in the world, so.
0: Yeah. 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 I love what you said about it coming from the inside out because I so believe in that. That's why I feel like it radiates from the inside out and you can't stop it. And this hair isn't going to stop it, whether it's long or short. And the outfit I have on isn't going to stop it. Sometimes I honestly feel like, I don't want to go out because I'm radiating and I don't want to be, sometimes I don't want to be looked at. This is not me pissing on my own porch or patting myself on the back. It's just, I know how I'm perceived as I move around in the world and I am good with it. Okay. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to downplay it and say, oh, I'm not going to say, oh no, I don't notice that men find me attractive or that people find me attractive. Yes, I do notice that. I'm not, why would I say mm. no? That's a lie. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. And I'm so, learning to pay attention in better ways too. Yeah. But I, I love, well, that's the thing too. I love getting appreciated. So anytime someone out on the street, when they're direct with me and they're polite about it, I'm like, oh, thank you. Yes. It's, it's really the subtle stuff that misses me. And I think it works in my favor a lot of times, weirdly enough. But it's, I am just new to bringing my attention to how other people are perceiving me because I'm not a brain that has... An easy time with that skill, actually.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think again that so for me, what I like about that as a woman is I feel that that's very comforting because I feel like because of that I don't have to buy into that beauty fades that I have a I have oh, a no. start and end date because I felt beautiful along the whole way and that can't be taken and it's not it's not given either. So it's something that we yes. all have and we just I think as women we got to get okay with it and the minute that you do, yes, then it's like bing. Yes. So again, the, it's the hair. It's a beautiful situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hair, I feel you know. Hotter like as I get stuff. older. Duff. Me too. Oh my God. Me too. I actually feel like I'm more attractive now than I was when. I was 19 or 20. I mean, yeah, I just, same, I really same. do. Because <laughs> I just feel good and I'm like, I, take me. I'm I ready. Like can, woman. can you handle me? Probably a, not. Yeah. I am a woman and, and I'm proud of I'm, it. I love it.
1: Yeah. I recently decided that I'm a whirl because I'm so silly and childlike and I also know that people want me to say the word woman. Yeah. But I i think it's very funny and cute and accurate to be like, I'm a shaved head girl. Even though my hair's long right now, but that was in case they needed me to look like a boy to be a squire. But now I can, oh, I'm <laughs> a Today. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've decided that I'm a whirl because it's a woman and a girl. And I feel mm-hmm. that fits me perfectly because I am sort of swirly, especially lately. The more I do art, the more I'm like, wee, where yeah. am I? I feel like that, I feel like
0: that. I feel like that actually suits you quite well. <laughs> yes. Okay. So give me some of the biggest lessons you've learned from sex or about yourself sexually
1: mm-hmm. at this point in your life. The biggest eye-opening moment for me was my first night with my master when he gave me the gift of, oh, you're nervous about butt stuff? Why? Well, what if you never had to be embarrassed in front of me? That blew my mind. And what I wish at a younger age, someone had just been like, if someone wants to fuck you in the ass, they better fucking be ready for a mess if it happens and they better fucking not shame you about it. Like, But I had really listened to all of this kind of like indoctrination of the the shamey, teasy stuff that's often directed at women, but also just bodies in general. And so I think for me, the biggest learning globally is that there's a sort of shame and judgment and blame around the way humans actually are, that makes no fucking sense to me, especially when people do, now I know, they do want connection. They do want closeness. Yeah. And so it's that like socialization that I'm like, what the fuck? My, per- my biggest personal lesson is probably related to that in that I have discovered that I don't experience shame in the same ways that most people I talk to do. I constantly accidentally trigger people and I'm learning that that is most commonly because I have poked a shame button because I'm trying to get my, I'll get confused. I'll be like, hmm, there's a pattern discrepancy. I will ask questions until I figure it out. Mm. And usually when there's a pattern discrepancy, it's because someone's like telling a coverage lie, but I can't figure out what to do. And if I like, don't know what the next human behavior is to like proceed in that interaction, I'll just try to get unconfused. And in pursuit of that, I will kind of like teach them that they maybe were trying to keep a shame piece inside and I didn't know it and then it yeah. all explodes. So sexually, it's been really ticky when it comes to like linking up with new partnership. I would be so curious to hear your experience six years in, right? You're six years into pod, yes. right? As a sex podcaster. Uh, do you yeah. tell lovers that what you do, new ones, when you meet them? Oh, yeah. Okay. And Absolutely. they don't explode at you? Mm-mm. And they don't go, are you trying to use me for stories? no then I must just be framing it incorrectly. I've never, I, <laughs> I know,
0: I, this is so fascinating. Like I've never- Really? Mm-mm. No, I've never had anybody say that or be concerned about okay, that. That's that's it's, actually also incredibly
1: validating because I'm like, okay, then I'm just where I'm supposed to be and I get the ones that explode at me for some reason.
0: I've had it the other way where I felt that- <laughs> People like they don't really know me. And instantly they're like, yeah, let's make some content for your podcast. And you know, and I'm like, that to me, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because it's not about that. That's a separate thing. And if we yeah. want to share that, we will, but it's not okay part of it. Yeah. So I mean, there's lots that hasn't been on the podcast. And if somebody there's people that there's guys that I've been with that never have come on the podcast and they don't because they don't want to. Yeah. They know yeah, that I yeah, will talk yeah. about what I'll mention them and talk about them. And so that's okay too, uh, because I give them a nickname and they're anonymous, but totally. Yeah. And if somebody ever said, don't even make up a name, don't, I don't even want to be mentioned, even though I'm anonymous, I would, that would be fine, but no one's ever said that. So,
1: but it's just straight. I've had like three. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's, so great because now I know that that doesn't we gotta, have to be a truth. We got to dig, dig into this. We got
0: to dig into this when I'm on, when I get on your show. Yeah. That's so fascinating. I, isn't that interesting? Just how you can have so two totally different experiences. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I, I might yeah. have some theories on that. We'll talk about that. I feel hopeful. Okay. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. There is. There's more than hope. Yeah. You're going to, transition out of that. So when did you discover you were submissive? And could you share a little bit about that journey and what it means to you to be able to express yourself in that way? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It was March, 2017. And I had been (laughs) back from my wings around South America uh, for about three months. I was, I came back on New Year's Eve and I had had some really mediocre casual sex along the way. I would had some good casual sex as well. Yeah. But like the last couple in my travelings, I was like, what the fuck? Like wait, mediocre. What made, so made it mediocre? English. Were they, were they like bad
0: lovers, didn't know what to do, or just what what was it, what was going on?
1: Yes, it was the type of sex where and here's the thing. The one I'm thinking of in particular, we had a beautiful connection. We like went on a little road trip together, like we stayed at this beautiful place in Ecuador. You know, it was lush and green and the food was delicious and I was treated and so he was a beautiful date and there was like that kind of connection. But once we got to the naked sex part, it was such a deep disconnection. And at the time, I was not in a place where I knew how to advocate for myself as a lover. Because I was submissive and because I have to work really hard to like read social cues and like figure out what's happening, um, I follow my lovers. And so when I have a lover who like, doesn't like foreplay and this guy wasn't super into blowjobs and like not super into going down on me and like that which is fine like people can do whatever they that's fine I just want to play in the overlap but we how did you find the only male
0: on the planet that isn't into (laughs) blowjobs
1: right so I just that's That should have been like a thank you red flag right there. Well, some people aren't. Some people are very sensitive, (laughs) and some people are. You know, like lots of ladies say that they don't like being gone down on, and I maybe they just didn't have a good experience. I have my theories on that. I have my theories on that. Why women don't? Yeah, (laughs) me too. Me too. And, I talked about and so it probably on this show.
0: <laughs> if you want to share that, my opinion is because nobody's ever done it right and that's, and they're just like, nah, just skip that. It's not that great for me anyway.
1: I think I, for me, for a while, I used that and it was absolutely a combination of like, this doesn't feel good anyway. It feels perfunctory and I'm probably going to get made fun of sooner rather than later because of all the cultural messaging that I get, you know? And so I'm like, let's just skip it. So that was yeah. my first couple of years of like going down on, yeah, so this, this was like dry sex. So like I tried to wet it up up with some spit but it was just like energetically empty yeah. like it was like the connection that we'd fostered that was so beautiful once we got naked the talking stopped the breathing stopped the eye contact stopped and we were just it wasn't it's the opposite of primal passion yeah you know it's yeah. not like oh now we're just being animals it's like oh you have been socialized in a way that like okay some part of you has to disappear now okay so it was just sort of like
0: that yeah i have a theory on yeah, that. And that
1: i have a theory on look, that. what is it Okay.
0: I believe that sometimes like, yes, you're just thinking like, we're hitting on all cylinders, like, you know, and it's all going great. And then you come together sexually and it's like, oh, whoa, that was bad. (laughs) That was bad. I believe, (laughs) listen, I believe, no, I believe this is more back caveman days. Like, I believe there's something primal going on that your DNA and his DNA are not meant to mix. And this is, And totally. Like, Mm -hmm. because if there was, if a baby was produced, it would have three heads or something. Like, I think there's, I really do. I think it's just, it's going on in our lizard brains and we've lost touch with that stuff. But I really do believe, like, there is something going on because I've had partners like that that I just, like, I loved. And even like I was in relationships with them, like, I love this man. But for some reason, like, when it came to that, it was just like, oh,
1: I didn't like the way he smelled. There was just a little... That's, the, that's a No, that's, that's a real thing. So neuroscience-wise, the mm-hmm, smell, mm-hmm. the pheromones that we pr- produce, when we don't like each other's smells, it's because our immunity profiles... Aren't the most compact Like for you, that, that's that's, my, a, that's a true thing. That's been my. Theory. I'm obsessed yeah. with the Huberman Lab podcast, and so I've learned a lot of things. And that was one of the things they mentioned just in passing. So I'm, I haven't read that whole like research paper. But
0: I yes. need that research paper. Where is it? Because like seriously, yeah, I have been I'm saying this it. for years. Like I, this
1: is what I believe, <laughs> and that's part of my like long term organizational goal. That's one of my nerdy work bucket list items. But mm-hmm. to like just make a clear linking to the to the papers and then have the bite sized research bits. So. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. you're totally right. You do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that, that might've been what was going on there. With That's him. a good point. I actually hadn't, hadn't thought of that. And then there was some that was just like basic and poundy and it was fine, but it yeah. just wasn't what I had been wanting. Basic and, and poundy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it was, and I, I didn't hear, don't get me wrong. I love to get pounded, Yeah. but I also love to get warmed up. And so yeah. it was often kind of like the situation around the sex and not the sex itself that was exciting in South America. So I was like, all right, I'm back in my city. I want something more. I don't know where to start. I've never been tied up before. So yeah. I made a profile and I had, someone had told me what life was. And I had FetLife. no idea, I truly had no idea what I was getting into. FetLife. But it just we so love, happened yeah. that the love first, FetLife. I know, I know. The first non-weird message I got was from the man who became my master for off and on for four-ish years. And Our first meeting, I was so nervous because I didn't have context for BDSM, but he was a mentor type and explained to me what he's into, kind of got my limits and boundaries. And then we decided that we did want to set a date and had a magical, amazing first time at a fancy hotel for safety purposes. And I, I got totally luxuriated. And it was like that night I was like, I want this again. I want this again and again and again, because a safe space where this person can't stop touching my body. And also I get a mixture of like intense sensations with really gentle things that turn me on for me. Holy fuck. And it was extended. It was hours of sex. Like it was... yes it just kept coming because I, I am a person that like, I love touches and like, I can get, but it gets boring. And so to have someone who's like, uh, I'm going to finger fuck you and I'm going to tie you to this chair and then I'm going to ball gag you and then I'm going to unball gag you and have you give me a blow job. And then I'm going to go down on you and I'm going to explore your ass. Like, and that's just like the intro. Yeah, I know.
0: I know. Yeah. It always changes. There's never, it's, it doesn't get monotonous. It's, constant like i used to think like what is this guy doing like my dominant i'm like yeah where does he come up with this yeah. stuff you know like yeah. <laughs> is he writing that down i mean yes. like seriously like it was every time was like being taken on a journey it was yes mm-hmm.
1: and mine was a writer, and i never knew where we so were he going he really did have arcs, yeah. and i never knew yeah. yes and i didn't care where i ended up because i trusted that totally. he was going to be wonderful and delicious and it mm-hmm. always was oh, and so that was It was really perfect for the first year and then shit got fucked up. (laughs) Uh-oh. Oh,
0: Oh, no. I can't leave it at that. What
1: happened? What happened? What shit got fucked up? I had my first kinky threesome with his permission with a daddy Dom and his baby girl and there was a pop of enraged jealousy that we never recovered from and then also trigger warning for like family member death but like I thought he was going to break up with me on our one-year anniversary instead like as I was coming he was like, do you love your master? And I was like, yes! And then, he was like, I love you too. And we came together and it was really dramatic. And then the next day we were like, ooey gooey, love talking as I was driving up to my family's house to take my grandma to her third ever radiation appointment because she had just been diagnosed with cancer. And she ended up dying in my lap 15 minutes after I got there. Oh my so it gosh. was this really Ooh. big, huge, You know, at a time where probably if that big emotional thing hadn't happened, we probably would have completely broken up at that one year mark. But because suddenly I was in this, like, I'd never had, you know, I'd had some experience with death. I'd never helped another person transition before. And also it was like pretty unexpected. And then also a wig my grandma had ordered for me weeks prior was delivered, like between the time the EMT, like it was just a fucking weird thing. Right. Anyway, we had a very strong kind of trauma bond after that. And... It was like very delicious in some ways to get space held. And then the sex was great, but it was like the jealousy cracks were there and mm-hmm. we never recovered. Yeah. So it's it's tough to go on the journey from like, I want you forever. Are you sure? Yes, yes, yes. Forever, forever. To like, the, one of the last things he said to me was you couldn't pay me to touch you again. So it's <gasps> oh. like very, 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 it got very mean. And I don't want that anymore. So no. I'm in a beautiful space yeah. of like openness, but also... Need to figure out how to find a new dom in a yeah. safe space, and I'm learning there's lots of fake doms. That oh don't really yes, have. there so, are. You yes. know, yes. So that's so now that I know I'm we're a is submissive, I'm like rowing, right. rowing, okay. we're <laughs> rowing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, is the world full of kinky submissives just trying to educate people so they can get what they want? Because I think if I were not this horny, I don't think I'd be doing any of this. If I were not so horny, I would probably be a hermit in a cabin in the woods somewhere just painting circles and like swimming in a river every day.
0: Me you know? too. Me too. Because I love my space. I love my solitude. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm telling you, we're like we're like kindred spirits. We really are. We're peas in a pod. Yeah, yep. we are. We are. Okay, what's on your sex bucket list?
1: Oh my god, it's so big and unwieldy and I it's not organized, but definitely a double penetration. I mean, I guess now what's on it is I need a new dom. I would love yeah. to have a dom that can hold space for me and organize a gangbang. I would love to have a dom who understands that I am a free person that is going to want to fuck other people but that I do want to anchor back to someone and yeah I would love to have somebody who would like to reclaim me I just bought an inflatable butt plug so I'm gonna try that this week yeah I have fantasies around what are my other recent bucket list items I would like to try Nuru with someone who's practiced at it like I tried Nuru as the person giving Nuru massage So it's the it's this very slippery seaweed based gel that you can like put on your body and your lover and I interviewed a guest who has a kitty pool <laughs> Uh-huh. like a blow-up kiddie pool is yeah. what she and her husband use because it's very slippery. But yeah. there are special sheets. Like, it's just a factile experience. So that's on my bucket list. Yeah. I would love to do more, like, classic fantasy role play. I have tons of costumes. Oh, fun. And I really, really want to be, like, led into latex by somebody who's into latex because I feel intimidated by it. Um, I, Like, I literally just have endless things that I haven't tried yet that I want to do. Yeah. And yeah, DP is definitely at the top of the list, though.
0: <laughs> I know, DP. That's I'm working on, That right now I'm working on putting putting (gasps) that together. Yes, and I'm gonna try the DVP. I'm gonna try the DVP. I don't know (gasps) if that's gonna work, but I'm gonna give. I'm I'm gonna. It's worth giving it a shot.
1: (laughs) I also want to get fisted. That reminds me.
0: Yeah, that's so cool.
1: Oh, oh. can you ever come close? I have yeah.
0: been with a guy it, who has really it, big hands and because I'm tall, so I like really tall men and they always usually have pretty big hands. It's not, I mean, I've had a, my dominant sort of tried, but it was like, no, that wasn't going. And I don't know. Yeah, it's not on my
1: list. It's not. A, <laughs> it's not on I just my, wanted. well, I could try I could try it with someone with small hands. I small hands, lie, it's, yeah. I think I can, is it possible to fist yourself? No, I don't think I did. Yes. Yeah, no, not Not. They ideal, do it in porn. It. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. Watching more porn is on my bucket list, not because of like Eddie's, like for research purposes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm also trying to find like good porn that I can watch that where I'm ethically supporting artists. But I also need to watch the stuff that's out there just to be aware of what is yeah. there. I don't watch very much porn. Yeah. Unless it's assigned to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. What, okay. So what inspired you to start your podcast?
1: It's Sex Stories, oh by the way. Your podcast is called Sex Stories. Sex Stories clung to me like the idea like flew out of the air and stuck in my brain Uh and it really was my kinky relationship was the origin story and like it was nine months into that relationship that there was this me too moment and I just thought of in the news it was Aziz Ansari and this chick Grace and when I was like listening to the conversations that were happening around that whole I don't know I guess medium piece I was like huh our society is really uncomfortable talking about sex. I thought, like I was at this point where I was 27 at the time, no, 28. And just, and I was like, I thought if we got old enough that we would like figure out sex. And I'm like, oh, I'm a grown up, And the people I'm meeting who are my peers and older, are really weird about Haven't sex. figured it out, I yeah. Am. Mm-hmm. They haven't figured it out. Yeah. And the people who say they like clear communication, well, we must have very different definitions of that. And then I was also at this place in my life where a lot of my best friends who were my original source of sex stories got long-term partnered or just became less interested in sharing the ongoing details because they're with the same person or they want to hold a privacy or they're yeah. just like, we're not in college anymore. And I'm yeah. like, what? So... I figured that because I'm not shy, because literally talking about sex and hearing people's details about what they're into is my favorite thing, I thought I would start it. And I thought I would do the project for maybe like a year or so and then be like, it's done. But then I love it so much.
0: I said a year. I was like, this is just, I'm doing this for a year and then I'm shutting it down, people. <laughs> Don't even try yeah. to talk me yeah. into it going longer. And I know, right
1: here I am six years later. <gasps> But it is so fun to just get to meet so many other horny people out in the world. And that has truly increased my self-esteem in terms of, oh, I'm not weird. I'm not weird or bad or wrong. I'm just horny and there's lots of us. Yes, totally.
0: Right on. So what have you learned from your podcast? I guess, has there been like a favorite guest or episode that just really resonated with
1: you? Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So it's so hard for me to pick one episode because I am very amorous, polyamorous, but amorous in general, favorites are hard. I get a lot of reflection that people love my episode 70, which is me reading my first journal entry about my first night with my master. And so what I've learned is that people love hearing specifics of details and it's harder for them to share usually. And when people feel safe, They'll share everything with me. And so it was really interesting to watch after the first year of the podcast, I started getting guest applications from people who already trusted. And so that has allowed me to have the experience in the world of how people get so willing to just share and connect when that's in place and then to see how it gets through their stories to see how that gets reflected in their own sex lives is really fucking cool. And then to get the layer of seeing how people speak in different speech patterns and think in different thought patterns when they answer a question and then how their just actual desires are different, it really helps me remember when I'm out in the world that we are all having vastly different experiences through our different nervous systems. So it also helps me be a much more compassionate person and to try to just put myself in another person's shoes. I always try to do that, I guess, wrong a lot because my brain were the way that it works. Yeah, And so it's also taught me to be a better listener, both as an interviewer and in bed, and also just... It's funny though, with all of the practice about talking about sex, I still have just as much, maybe not just as much. I still have a lot of anxiety when I talk to people about what I want or the fantasies that I want, especially since a lot of my current fantasies overlap with work in really specific ways.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, really? That gives you anxiety?
1: Not when I'm talking out loud about fantasies like with you or on one podcast, but when the the prospect of having someone sit across from me like at a first dinner date who maybe has no context for me oh. i don't know how to tell them all of my stuff and to be like yeah, so if you would just reclaim me after my future docu-series that I hope to pitch where I like explicitly negotiate sexual things with other people so that we can have an example of media out in the world that like talking about ahead time is sexy. And then I'd like to have the juxtaposition where it's like, you know, we do the regular sex, not shot as porn with just like steady kit, and then we reshoot it. <laughs> and I get to use my filmmaking skills as a director. And then I would like, and like if you would like to whisper like hot stuff in my ears while you do it and it could be about you and celebrating our relationship and then you reclaim me. How does that sound? You know, like yeah. I have these like really Really elaborate fantasies mm-hmm. that are sort of, like, I would love to go on stage at a live show, but have my Dom like whisper something really dirty and naughty in order in my ear before I do it. So that I'm doing it like for our relationship, because it really is the emotional, mental bubbling underneath. But then you combine that with like a little bit of physical edging and then the connection, like, and then yum, 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 yum. Right. I don't know how it's hard enough to even find someone who sounds like enough of a Dom that I'd want to go to dinner with. Mm -hmm. So it just feels very daunting.
0: (laughs) I tell you what, it's hard to find a good one. I mean, I think, I feel like I got very lucky and sometimes I'm like, I don't know, it's luck going to strike twice? Maybe I've, maybe I've played that card it's out. Yes. <laughs> I know, no. I know. Okay, no, good. I
1: believe it's possible. I fully believe it's possible for us. All right.
0: Yes. I'm going to hold on to that. So you've said that for the past three years, I've been interviewing people about their sex lives. The trend I continue to notice, there seems to be a positive correlation between self-love, creative expression, and sexual satisfaction. Can you give me the biggest example of this? And do you think like, I kind of wonder, like, what is this? Do you think this is nature versus nurture when it comes to that? I think nature wants us to create.
1: I think the earth is the biggest example of that Mm -hmm. or animals around us are the biggest example of that. I think human beings, if I use my own self as an example, I went from someone who is using all of her life energy for other people without getting satisfaction in return. Mm -hmm. Like when I look back at my years from... 25, 26, 27, like when I was doing that producing job. And I was actively exploring polyamory. I was actively trying to have these connections, but I was at a different... I had not learned to feel my feelings yet. I did understand breathing. Oh, that's another important thing that happened. When I was 25, I learned to breathe. And I know that sounds insane, but I also just read a book called Breath that I highly recommend everyone read because I learned to breathe, but I also didn't learn the importance of nose breathing versus mouth breathing, both in sickness and in jaw structure and in all of these things. Yes. And breathing related to the feelings. Oh girl, we could do a whole podcast certain. about that. Oh, yeah. Yes. So for me, the breathing led to the feelings led to the sex or the willingness to explore the type of sex perhaps I'd always wanted to explore, but I had been too scared to do. And I had to have this whole breakdown in order to get there. And when I say breakdown, I just mean like I needed to be alone for a while. So I shaved yeah. my head and went to South America and just like bopped out and was just like being quiet and taking a lot of pictures. And for me coming back and then finding the anchor to my creative self, when I feel good, when I feel like well-thought, it's really hard for me to be in a state of lack. It's really hard for me to look around and be like that artist is better than me or like she's prettier or that, that person booked the audition. Yeah. When I am sexually satisfied, I'm like, well, what's for me cannot miss me. I know. <laughs> oh, this was so good. You know, like and and then I'm able to use all of my energy to focus on what I actually want to do and I have learned that simply focusing my energy on what I want instead of what I am sad I'm not getting, that is everyday practical magic. So, I think for me my goal is for us to see, to test that hypothesis. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. But but I don't it's think you're wrong not about being right. It's not about being right in this life though. And I just know that when I speak to people, what they reflect back to me is that they feel an immense amount of permission to be themselves, to try anything, because I'm so silly and weird. And I love to just like make stuff up in fantasy as we as I go. And I'm learning that like there are specific types of creative invitations that are required to make people feel comfy doing that. Yeah, And I think just in the little talks that I have with people over and over again, and I wonder if you see this too, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of crinkly of like, I don't know you. And then when it's safe, it's like, oh, and I have this idea and that idea and this desire and that one. Yes. And to me, it just seems so clear that it's all related, even if it's not all like, oh, and now I made a painting. It's just like, oh, I figured out a new way to organize my data spreadsheet. You know, yeah. creativity exists in all forms. Yes,
0: agreed, Great. Okay, you ready for this question? I'm so excited. <laughs> Here comes the next one. One, you're going to be like, whoa, how'd she jump to this? What is on your epitaph? Oh, shit. What's an epitaph?
1: <laughs> is that my gravestone? Yes. I can't remember my brain. Okay. <laughs> what is on there? I don't get... I don't have one because my true actual answer is I really want people to... I want to get cremated if I have a funeral and I would love to be put in... You know those party poppers that people pull apart? They <laughs> <laughs> Comes out no <laughs> and so I would, and so and my my family like every time I bring this up they look at me and they're like no and I was like that's my dying wish if I die before you and they're like okay we're not gonna die you we're gonna die first and, you yeah, know so hilarious. that's kind of like our morbid family joke and so I think when I do that I think I would just I would want people to yeah I just want people to f- what would be there is like she just wants people to feel good or like we take care of each other like I just want people to experience their yeah. joy like if you pop a cracker of dead ashes may they bless your orgasm I don't know yeah. you know something or your flower bed or where see. yeah
0: yeah yes. exactly
1: exactly yeah yeah oh yeah yeah I don't expect people would pop them while they're fucking that's no. just to be very clear yeah, yeah. they could though they could <laughs> They could. It's they could. up to them. Yes, it's their choice. Yeah. Whatever feels the most magical is what I wish they would do. There you go.
0: Maybe that could be it on your episode. Whatever feels the most magical, yes. I, that's what I wish do you that. would do. Yeah.
1: yeah, do it. I guess um, I,
0: would be, I guess the simple version is
1: follow your desires. There we go. That is what I want for people. There we
0: go. No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was a curve there. Okay, and last kind of serious question here. What do you hope your impact on the world sexually will be?
1: Well, lucky for me, I have already like achieved my first goal, which is if sex stories can help one other person have transcendent amazing sex, great, that's enough for me. I've already surpassed that like many times over. I don't know how many, but what I really want my work to do At the largest level, if I had my wish, to be completely honest, I do not enjoy the system that we are currently all participating in where everything is like valued by being devalued by competition and by this sort of idea that there isn't enough to go around. Therefore, it's normal that some people must be subjugated and not allowed resources to the supplies they would need to fully express their creativity. My goal is to create a world where taking care of each other looks like there is enough to go around because like there are. So it really is like a utopia fantasy. But I think the practical version of that is I just want to tip the cultural needle as much as I can in my lifetime in the direction of self-love and self-expression in ways that are consensual and legal and have everyone's greatest good in mind. So that's the goal of kind of each little project, including myself. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, you know, because I'm not this like humanitarian person that's like, oh, I'm going to save the world. I want to do my, I want to make my largest possible ripple of love. And I also want to be happy while doing it and satisfied. Yeah so
0: good there we go okay so what's I think we kind of hit on this I think somewhere in our talk but I'll ask again what's up next for you coming soon with your movies and your artwork and just what's on the horizon
1: my horizons you, are always very unknown yeah. because I don't know if I'm going to book this job and suddenly need to be in Africa for a month and then move to New York for next year. I don't know. Prob- but we'll see. If I stay here and go according to my plan that I have control of, the next step is getting my new website creation dot place so I can say join me in the creation place. Yeah. To launch. So that is going to be my future hub because I am branching beyond sex to include the full umbrella of creativity. Also, so that I stop getting kicked off of every heavily censored platform that there is. Like, it's insane. Uh, so I'm branching out and I'm very sneakily mixing sexy stuff into yeah. everything because I'm just talking about creativity. Because sorry, sex is a creative act. And that's yes. it's like, try to fight with me on that one, you can't. <laughs> it's yeah, no, it literally is. the original creative act. And so I'm using these clone characters to, I don't know what order it's going to come out in, but there are, there's a connection between sex stories and my dominatrix character and all my other sex worker characters who are facilitating these feelings practice and there will be like ongoing little things that will probably turn into other podcasts and pitches for mission 69 which is the play ship road trip exploration and also has the feature film component and also there's a one woman show that's more of like a stand up vibe Mm -hmm. and then also I have my book that I'm working on I'm almost done editing it which are the journal entries from the first perfect year of sex with my master I was like such I mean I kept a jo- I've been a diary keeper since yes. I was a kid. And so I'm now also adding illustrations. I'm doing one illustration per entry. And so that's going to be like kind of the future, probably the next year. I'm I'm working on getting an agent for that, but I have a good lead. And then I'm just pitching to investors to see if I can get an alternative nightlife space that has all of the creative elements up here and then a dungeon either a basement or a tower dungeon up above. Because I think that the more that we can Shift the way that we sell sexuality from this kind of empty, like, eh, oh, hi, hi right. handsome. And if we can include the idea that the rest of us is allowed. That sounded like we just. Required, I just have
0: to say, but that just sounded like the way you did that so perfectly. It sounded like a voiceover that's of someone else that we just dubbed in there. But that I was know. actually you. I, I want people to know and appreciate know. how oh, talented
1: yes. you are. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, I really am doing my best to smash the very like straight concept of like, hey boys. We have big titties and oh uh, I'm just so like I'm tired. I'm tired of that. Like, yeah. like me the way I am. Very yeah. few, and and so so I'm just tackling that. I'm not saying like people who like that is bad, but I'm just saying it's a very narrow focus. And all the guys who talk to me that are like, I don't know, real girls are different from porn stars. I'm like, yeah, dude, sex work is a different experience from a girlfriend. Like, even if you're having the girlfriend, experience that's a performance a level of expectation. That's a performance. It's a different thing. Yeah, it those can are have perform- real. Elements, but it's a different it's a different agreement. Yes. And so it's like, what are the agreements you want? You want value out of a relationship? Adding any? You know, so that's so I'm basically trying to just create a lot of things that help people, that support people in lighting up their own creativity. Cause the best dates I've gone on are with people who are like excited about what they're doing in their own life. And the worst dates I've gone on are the ones that are like, how can you make my life better? Are you going to fix my life? Are you going to fix my life? But are you good? You know, I'm like, yeah. I don't need.
0: Control. Yes. Okay. Tell everyone where they can find you.
1: You can find me on the internet at yolee.com. That's w-y-o-h-l-e-e.com. That links to all my socials and In the next month or so, creation.place will be the place to go.
0: All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And you guys always know where you can find me. You can go to curiousgirldiaries.com. And you know what my favorite thing is to do? leave me a voicemail. You know, I love your voicemails. We get to chat back and forth. We get five minutes. You can say anything you want. Let it rip. I do get back to each and every one of you personally. That's uh, at thecuriousgirldiaries.com. Just click on the pink tab on the right hand side. All right, everyone. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at